0: So what's the deal with this whole tithing thing? Am I simply adding to the youth pastor's skinny jean collection? If God gives to me, why would I give it back? Well, first, God doesn't want our money. He wants us. When we give with a joyful heart, it shows God that we recognize that everything we have is His. We're simply borrowing on a condition that we put it to good use. Not a bad deal. Second, it requires that we remain dependent on God's grace to supply our every need. Even the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat, and how much more does God care for us than a bird? Third, we get to support God's work throughout the world. This church you're sitting in right now uses your tithes to support missionaries, feed the poor, and reach out to the community for Christ. It's a tiny price for such a huge impact. So, you might be thinking, why can't I just let the rich be generous? My tithe isn't worth much at all. Well, actually, if everyone in this room, everyone sitting in American churches right now, honestly gave only 10% of their income back to God, we could add $85.5 billion to ministry around the world per year. That's enough to feed every child in Africa for life. Plus, God promises that He'll provide you with what you need and warns that we cannot serve two masters. We have to choose. Tithing is not about a dollar amount or spiritual trophies. It's about an attitude of humility, obedience, and generosity. God doesn't want our 10%. He wants us 100%. So go ahead. Pick your master.
1: this series called Fully Devoted, and one of the things we've been talking about is what does it look like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? And we said that there are some things you can know. There's some ways you can tell if somebody's a fully devoted follower of Christ. And last week, I talked to you about leftovers. Now, I actually said to-go boxes, and Mark, Mark being a lawyer, I should have said leftovers. So, Mark, let me ask you. I see you back there. Would you rather, have, would you rather be at the restaurant and having the dinner served to you, or would you rather have my leftovers? thank you thank you we, we, uh, so so now my now that it my language is lawyer approved so appreciate that buddy <clears throat> so what we said was that to be in the kingdom of god you have to accept the grace of god it's a free gift offered to you and if you if you don't ever accept that gift gift you cannot be adopted into god's family so the very first step is way down here at grace now um we talked wow that's really loud take me down just a little bit so if you're it, What Joe said a couple of weeks ago was that grace improves your position from coach class if you're on a jet to first class But it doesn't necessarily take you anywhere What a lot of people do I I grew up in the baptist church I grew up in the fundamental baptist church and then went to the southern baptist church What a lot of people in the baptist church think is if somebody comes into the family of god, that's good Put a period on it. Yay fire insurance. They're not going to hell. They can live any way they want to That is not biblical so what, what we teach is, and what we believe scripture teaches is, that, that first you have to accept the grace of, of God. Then the second thing is you have to be committed to spiritual growth. So the second step is I'm going to grow. So if you're, if you're exercising, that's helping your body to, to be better. You have to do some spiritual exercises in order to grow. So the second step is growth. There are more people on the bottom step than there are on the first step because it requires commitment, and people don't like commitments. Third step is to get into a a, a group. We teach all the time. You hear me all the time talking about my group and and how much impact that has on my life. Joe can talk about his group. Everybody here can talk about a group that they've been in, the men's group, the ladies' group, Celebrate Recovery, this new group that's going to be starting. Groups are where the most spiritual change will happen in your life from this point on. And it's probably where most of the the changes happen up to this point. But as you move up the steps, it requires more commitment. So the numbers get smaller and they get smaller and they get smaller. Then the next step would be uh, to find your spiritual gift. But God doesn't gift you just for you. God gifts you to build up the body of Christ your spiritual gift and you use that to build up the body of christ then you benefit because you grow because you're doing what god created you to do you get this sense of fulfillment and then you get to help somebody else because when you don't use your spiritual gift i don't grow spiritually and you don't grow spiritually when i don't use my gift you don't grow as much as we could if we were all using our gifts well we're to the last step and we're actually going to take a couple of weeks on this because this last step is to be a good manager or a good steward Um, good stewardship is the last step and it's, we put it at the end intentionally because people get funny when you talk about money and, and people are like, man, I love the grace of God. I love that. And, and, and I'm, I'm all in the grace of God. And then people say, well, spiritual growth, I, I don't have time for that. So what they do is they begin giving God leftovers. God, I've got all this stuff to do, but, but you can have that leftover when it comes to my spiritual growth. And then they wonder why they don't grow. They wonder why 20 years from now, they're just like, or even worse than they were when they first came to Christ. It's because they give God leftovers. And then when we say, we're gonna, we're gonna get in a group, but God, I'll, I'll come once every six weeks and then I'll get mad that I get sick and nobody comes to see me in the hospital. Nobody even knew you were in the hospital. Not I just say, get mad. It's your own fault you giving leftovers cuz my group knows when something's going on with me I know something is going on in their in their lives we know that we have our own little facebook page we're always talking and praying and, and doing all kinds of stuff and we know what's going on so if you give leftovers to to a uh, group don't get mad at the group that you haven't been participating and then if you don't know your spiritual gift You don't get mad at me. The Bible talks about this. I know Danny and Kayla, they took a spiritual gift test off of lifeway.com. It's a real simple one. And then they came and talked to me about it. And I said, man, I see that gift in you. I see that. And I see here's how you can use that gift. Discover your gift. It's your responsibility. I will not stand before God and answer for whether you know your spiritual gift or not. He's not going to hold me responsible. If you you just are given leftovers everywhere then he 's not going to hold me responsible for what you 're giving or not giving, and then we get to you know i said each each step there 's fewer and fewer people. you get up here to the to the good stewardship, good managers, and people get up tight when you talk about money and, and I honestly we put it at the end for a couple of reasons: number one, I think it takes maturity to talk about money number two, I think that that um, as you grow and God begins to soften your heart, you're more receptive to that. So I don't know, I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe you've had a similar experience to mine. When my kids were little, we used to go on trips all the time. Mom and dad lived 500 miles from here, so we'd load up in the car, and we had this whole process where we'd stop certain places because, you know, 500 miles, you've got to beat your time from last time, and so you can't mess around. You know, no matter what age the kids are, you've still got to beat your time. That's, it's It's a game. So we'd always stop, but we'd go to a gas station. They'd have to go to the bathroom. They're kids, and they couldn't hold their bladder for eight hours. I don't know what's up with that. So we would stop, and it, and, and invariably, my kids would say, "Daddy," because they didn't have money. Can I get some candy? And sometimes they would ask for Skittles. And and see, I love Skittles. In fact, Janie calls me an elf. If you've ever watched Elf, the shit, the movie. She calls me an elf because the four food groups are candy, candy cane, candy corn, and syrup. And I'm like, yeah. You can add those to any dish and make it better. I, I'm mad at Bluebell right now. Not because of listeria, because I don't have any place to got, buy the ice cream. If you got some, you want to give it to me? I'll eat it. I don't care. Bluebell is the best, and, and I just I'm mad right now. Because uh, luckily I bought one, and I'm actually eating smaller portions so that I can have some every day. With my, with my caramel syrup on top. So anyway. I run, out of, I run out of caramel syrup. And this is where Janie got it. Because one day I just needed something on my vanilla ice cream. So I went and got pancake syrup. And So it's good. I put honey on it one time. Caramel's the best. But anyway. So we all have Skittles. And, and my kids. I would say to my, sk- my kids. Hey can I have one? And they'd go. Dad. Annoyed voice right? And I'd go. Little mister, I am the all-loving, kind, giving parent who just purchased your stupid Skittles. In the name of Jesus. I'm asking for one. Don't you know that I gave you those Skittles? I can take them back. In fact, little sucker... I can go in and I can buy my own Skittles and I can buy Skittles for every day of the week. I can, I've got a credit card. I could buy enough Skittles to fill this van and not let you have a single one of them. You ungrateful little punk. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I may have thought it, but I didn't say it. Not when he was three. That was in the teenage years. And, and, and I'm like, don't you know I could do this? All I'm asking for one Skittle now, all of us have Skittles. Some, you know, some of us have a very small pile of Skittles. Some of us have a medium-sized pile. Some of us have a big pile of Skittles. But here's the thing I want you to realize. All Skittles come from God. Right? And when God asks you for just a couple of Skittles and you don't give it to him, God is no longer responsible to, to resupply your Skittles. And, and in the Scripture you got to understand, God from the beginning, when he made Adam and Eve, he's always been about blessing humans, but he only continues to bless people that he can trust. He blesses humans, and and then the ones he can trust turn around and bless other humans, so God looks for those people, and he blesses them over and over again. Now, Bill Gates' size Skittles, your pile may be that big. Doug and Janie's pile's not that great. Yours may be bigger and smaller than my pile, but it doesn't matter. What, what we're trying to get across today is all Skittles from, come from God. If they come from God, that means he owns them. That means we're managers, not owners. And that's what we're going to talk about for just a minute. So my question to you today is, what are you doing with the Skittles that God has given you? What are you doing with those things? Are you using them to, to bless others or not? Now, I know uh, from, from experience, I've been in, in ministry 32 years now. I'm really old. been in ministry 32 years now, and, and in, in all the times in Southern Baptist churches, 19 years as a youth minister, only one time did my pastor do a series of messages on money. And people got mad and left the church. And we got all kinds of anonymous letters about how dare you talk about money. Now, let me just say, if you do anything anonymously to me, I'm just going to rip it up and throw it in the trash because I don't believe it's of God if it's anonymous. If you're writing a letter and you're mad at me or whatever, what, what I would respect is if you just come and talk to me and say you're mad at me, I, I can handle that. What I'm not ever going to pay attention to is anonymous letters. What happened was my pastor was totally attacked and people left the church and they said, we will not come back unless you stop talking about money and what we discovered later is all of those people who left the church until they quit talking about money had never given a dime to the church in the first place and so it's real easy as a youth minister i'm walking in his office and say let him go i'll call him up and say please don't come back and he's like no don't do that you know because you got to please everybody i'm like they they're they're leeches spiritual leeches and, and they're not contributing anything to the church. It's easy to say when you're a youth, youth minister, I tell Joe this all the time, man, you got it easy because you get by with all kinds of stuff. But when you're the pastor, man, people just hammer you all the time. So I'm going to tell you the truth today about money. And if it makes you mad, talk to God about it because I'm going to show you exactly from scripture where it comes from. If you got a problem with me, maybe, just maybe, your heart is hard and you need to take that to your heavenly father. Now, we don't ever, we don't ever, sneak up on you and we don't use guilt anything like that if you go to our 101 class we tell you that we expect our members to give if you go to our 201 class we tell you that one of the habits you need to grow spiritually consistently throughout your life is to be a giver and specifically a tither And and you need to understand that we'll never ask you to do more than Jesus, the founder of our faith, asks you to do. We won't ask you to do more. We won't ask you to do less than what Jesus asked you to do. And you need to know that in the New Testament, one out of every six verses has to do with Skittles, with stuff, with possessions. You didn't know that, did you? One-third of Jesus' parables talked about Skittles if you're saying stuff, possessions, money. So why did Jesus, a guy who had no money, had no possessions, no home, why did he talk so much about Skittles? I think it's because he knew that that whatever word you want to use, moolah scratch, dinero, kwan, whatever word you use, I think that Jesus knew that we would be obsessed with money if we weren't careful. And so if if you want God's antidote to that you got to go to the scripture because the scripture has so much to say about it now the bible never said that money was evil what the bible what money is is neutral but look i want to show you what the bible says in first timothy 6 10 the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil some people who have set their hearts on getting rich have wandered away from the christian faith and have caused themselves a lot of grief Jesus knew that we would obsess about money, so he talked a lot about it, how we're supposed to handle our Skittles. And today, if you have any, any obsession, if you've ever been obsessed with money, then I think you ought to go to the great physician, the God doctor, to figure out how to overcome that, to get his prescription uh, about what you should do. And his prescription starts way back in the, in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve. When God created humans, he set aside one day and he said, I want you to honor me one day. And so he says, "I've given you six days in the week to get everything done. Give me one day." So here's the idea: we're going to go through these real fast. It's the idea of priorities, and, the first, and, and God is a God of first. First things first. God is a prioritizing God. He's a God of order, not of chaos. Anytime you have something that is in chaos, it is not of God. Any decision you have to make, if it's chaos, it is not of God until God gives you a piece of God that surpasses all understanding to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, we know that the one day of the week was the Sabbath day, but in the New Testament, they shifted it to the first day of the week because Sunday was when Jesus rose from the dead. And they thought it was really cool that God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for you and me, to pay the price for our sins, but not to stay dead, but to be raised from the dead. They thought that was awesome. So they threw a party once a week to celebrate God's goodness and to thank him for everything that he'd done in their lives. So Sunday's the first day of the week, and so this is, the, this is what comes from Scripture. This is what we learn from the New Testament. The first day belongs to God. The Old Testament, it was one day a week. Now we've shifted. It's the first day, and it's resurrection day belongs to God. Fast forward a little bit to Exodus, chapter 13. God says to the Israelites, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So God says the firstborn, whether it's human or animal, belongs to him. So the idea is firstborn belongs to God. First day belongs to God. Firstborn belongs to God. Now we know that the, of the animals... The firstborn animal was sacrificed to God. God's not into human sacrifice, so a firstborn son had to be redeemed. It had to be purchased by the blood, by the life of something else. So an innocent third party had to give its life to redeem that son, that firstborn son. In the Old Testament, firstborn sons were a big deal. They got an extra inheritance. They had extra responsibilities. But the way we the way you would redeem your firstborn son or your firstborn child was to sacrifice an animal and it foreshadowed jesus being the sacrifice for us there's another principle in exodus 23:19 Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord, your God. So in the harvest, they were supposed to take the very first thing they harvest, whether they knew they were going to have any other harvest or not, whether they knew anything about weather forecasting or whether the the locusts were going to come, they were supposed to give of the first part. So first fruits belong to God. First day belongs to God. First born belongs to God. First fruits belong to God. Now let's jump back to Adam and Eve. And I want to, I want to show you how God interacted with them. The Bible tells us that, that Cain, the firstborn, he was a farmer and that Abel was a shepherd. When it came time to bring their offerings to the Lord, it says that Cain gave fruit and Abel gave some of his uh, flock, some of his animals. And after what we've just read, first fr- fruits, firstborn, you would expect that fruits or animals would be acceptable to God. But the Bible tells us that God accepted Abel's offering. He did not accept Cain's offering. And I always thought it was because of Cain's attitude. And that may be partially true, but I want to show you from the scripture what happened. This is in Genesis chapter 4. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. So did you see it? The scripture says Cain presented what? Some, key word. What did it say about Abel's offering? The best of the first. Now, it's kind of like this. Let's, Let's pretend you may have turned up another light there, Gary. Let's pretend that this is, a, this is an overgrown skittle, and this is your skittle. Now, this is how we do this. If you're a typical person, whether you're a Christ follower or not, but let's say you're, you're a Christian, what Christians tend to do is they say, well, this represents my my, uh, the, the skittles or my money that I get in any given month. So I have to pay mortgage. So there's some that goes to mortgage and I may have a car payment. So there goes car payment and I have a cell phone and there goes cell phone and I have children and oh my gosh, that's a big one. So big old fat chunk goes to my children. And then, well, you know, then I have a habit of whatever your habit is. I don't know if it's golfing or smoking or dipping or I don't know. And I have this habit And, and then, you know, I have, I have to take my wife out and then I have to, um, I have to get some skittles and and at the end of the month I've got this much left over And, and when I come to church and somebody talks about giving here's what I have left to give to God now according to this scripture are you supposed to give the first chunk or this little bit first, okay good, you got it just checking, just making sure the first part belongs to God God is never pleased when we give the leftovers. And too many of us have been doing that for too long. Look what Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then look what he says. Here's the promise. If you'll honor him with the first part, here's what God says. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And some of you are going, I ain't got no barns, and I don't drink wine. What God is saying is he will provide more than you need. So you have to decide, am I going to follow God's way or am I going to follow my way? Now, if you want to be honored by the God of the universe, I do, then I want to try to do things God's way. In the Old Testament, I would bring my offering to the temple. In the New Testament, the most important thing in God's economy in the New Testament was the local church. And and what I want you to understand is God's not talking about giving from your income because giving would, would indicate that you own it. God's talking about bringing what belongs to Him. So let me just let me just uh, illustrate it this way. Um, anybody got a ten dollar bill that you'll give me? You're not loaning; you're giving me a ten dollar bill. So whoever gets here first, come on. Thank you. Now you know you're not getting this back. Hang on, I got something for you. Well, then I give, Then Jamie gets this. It's a $100 bill. That's yours to keep. Now, is that a fair exchange? No, 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 sir. You said that was Jamie's. Everybody saw that, right? We will beat you and drag you out. You said that was Jamie's $10 bill. So, Now, let me just ask. Is that a fair exchange? For Jamie? That's exactly what God offers. God says, give me from the first... I will multiply the 90%. Janie and I have been giving for years. I actually started tithing long before Janie and I ever met in college when I had zero money. And a lot of people say, well, I'll tithe when I have money. No, you won't. Because if you can't be trusted with a small amount of money, God's not going to trust you with a lot. Did you know that in our country, the richest people in our country give less than 2% of their income to charity? But it actually gets worse than that. Christians in the United States... Give one, on average, Christians, those who claim to follow the God who says this, give 1.7% of their income to God. It's no wonder churches are hurting for ministry. We won't won't get off on that. God could have told us any amount. He could have said $50 a month. And for some people in this church, $50 a month would have been a stretch. Some of you would be pocket change. We've talked about how we're going to get enough money for our parking lot. And if we had just 100 families give an average of $300 a month, not to the bagel fund, but to the just to the joy basket, we've actually talked about we could get rid of the bagel fund. We would never have to have extra fundraisers again to try to pay for a parking lot. If we just had that many people doing that, or if we had 50 people at average giving 600 a month, you know, whatever the, the math comes up to. And, and so for a lot of you, it would be a stretch. But what if we said, what if God had said $75, that would be That would be $300 a month and we would get our parking lot in a year. This is what we've said. If people do that, we will have a concrete parking lot in less than a year if people will honor God and just do what they're supposed to do with the 10%. But when God said 10%, he put us on equal footing and he declared this is a test to see where your heart is. Money is all about a test. God doesn't need your money and some of you are going, good, because he ain't getting it. Well, that's between you and God. The reason I bring this up is because this is God's standard, not mine. And our church isn't going to close its doors next week. I'm going to tell you something that, that blew my mind. I asked Teresa to look and see how many people were givers and tithers, and we don't, we don't you know publish names, and I don't even know. So she looked, and here's the strange thing to me. In the last four years, the number of people who've been giving and tithing has been going down. The total amount that 's being given has gone up every year we 've increased our budget every year we 've been over our budget in our giving so what that means is god's got a few people that are radically obedient to him and, I'm, and I praise God for him every every month as we 're trying to be um, obedient and how we use god 's money and how we do all this every month we watch our we have an emergency fund here at the church it grows a little bit every month. We have a general fund it grows a little bit every month we have a Haiti fund. It grows a little bit. We have a benevolence fund. We have the, 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 the single moms ministry. All of this is growing every month. And, and even as the amount of givers goes down, it blows my mind. I actually did a little math this week, yesterday. And nine years ago, three out of 10 people at new life were tithers. As of today, our best guess, because we don't know what we, we're not trying to figure out what you make and say, Oh. What? Ricky Baker. <laughs> we, we, we don't have the, the tithing police that run around trying to figure out what you give, but, but we're, we're fairly intelligent. If you give five bucks a month, we're pretty sure that you don't make just 50 dollars a month. 1.6 people of our uh, out of 10, 1.6 people out of 10 is a tither at New Life community Church. Now, we have about, three, about 5 out of 10 give something. But 1.6 out of 10 take God's word seriously. And, and the church isn't going to close its doors. I'm telling you, it's been remarkable to see how God's work. We've never been in the red. And I told you this before. When we went to get a loan to buy this land and remodel this, the bank said, do you want more? And we're like, no, we're scared of what we got because we qualified for more. And they said, they said to us, to my face, Your church financially is stronger than 90% of the churches that we give loans to. When we were about to close out the loan, they're like, you want any more? No, we don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to do that. So if you look around, you go, man, this church is doing fine and, and they don't need my money. In some ways, that's true. But we bring the tithe out of obedience because God gave Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, so that he might die in our place. So God gave Jesus as his tithe to redeem all of us. The reason we don't have to redeem our firstborn now is because Jesus already did it. If you're in the kingdom of God, his blood pays the price for your sin. And, and you know, I, I, I did the math and, and I always struggle because I, I don't want it all. This is not my purpose. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm a great guy. I'm just trying to tell you that, that this is what God told me I'm supposed to say. New life has been in existence about 13 years this year uh, in June and, and Janie and I have given somewhere between $75,000 and $100 to New Life Community Church in 13 years. And, and I can tell you, that's way more than a tithe. Because anytime stuff has come up, there was one time when we were trying to get out of debt, Janie and I actually were given 20% of our income for a three-year period. We shut down everything else so that we could give because we said, we're never going to ask the people of God to do more than we're willing to do ourselves. And if we have to take extra jobs, mowing yards, whatever, and we give out of that. We give when we get a, an insure, uh, uh, um, not insured, IRS, if we get money back from from taxes, we tithe off of that. We We are very strict because we believe that the first portion belongs to God. And if you don't give it, you're under a curse. Now, you may think that is is harsh, but that's not my words. Again, that's God's words. So my question to you is, do you want 90% of your income blessed or do you want 100% of your income cursed? And let me show you where that comes from. Malachi chapter three. Should a person rob God, but you're robbing me? You ask, how have we robbed you? God says, you have robbed me in your offerings and the 10th of your crops, that's the tithe. So a curse is on you because the whole nation has robbed me. So God says, if you don't bring the tithe, 100% of what you have is cursed. Now, here's the cool thing about God. God never gives you the bad, the curse, without also telling you how to avoid the curse. And here it is in verse 10, Malachi chapter three. Bring to the storehouse a full 10th of what you earn so there will be food in my house. Test me. The only time in scripture that God says, I dare you to test me. Only time, and it has to do with income. Test me in this, says the Lord all-powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the Skittles you need. I've told you this before, but if you if you wanna if you wanna bless my heart, bless my bride. When when you're kind to my bride, my heart is drawn to you. Because she's the most important person on the planet to me. My kids are right there, but 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 I'm I'm actually not scriptural if my kids are above my wife. Because my kids are gonna leave, aren't you? They're going to leave me someday. And that's okay. That's healthy. If you want to bless God, bless his bride, which is called the church. And, and you know, people all the time say, well, what if I give my tithe to compassion? Then it's no longer a tithe. It may be an offering, but it's not a tithe because God says, bring the tithe into my house. And test me. So I will never take I would not take God's portion that I'm supposed to give bring here. I would not do that and then give to anything else. And I give to other stuff, but I will never rob God. So when we I told you that that we're gonna take another child today, and my goal is over the next ten years to take a child a year so that we're we're sponsoring ten kids in in the next few years. And I believe that God, because, because I'm a, it's the difference in being a reservoir and a river, a reservoir, you put up a dam and you try to hold all the water, as much water as you can. A river doesn't try to do that. A river just passes on what it's received. God is looking for river people. Now, one last caution. Matthew six twenty one. Jesus said this, your heart will always be where your treasure is. So money is a treasure test. How do you know what you treasure? Look at, look at what you spend your money on. I could say checkbook, but how many of you even have a checkbook anymore? A real one that you carry around? That that is very few. How many of you do everything online? The rest of you do cash, what? The rest of you don't have any? I don't know. There's a lot of people. I'm not sure what you do. Maybe you change phones so that the the repo may... I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you. When you're trustworthy with your finances, God will put his super... On your natural, I'm just going to tell you, God continues to bless me and blow my mind. I, I've tried to outgive the Lord. I can't do it. But if you try to hold on tightly, God says, "I can't trust them. Can't trust them a little bit. I'm not going to trust them with a lot." So the choice is yours. Our goal is that people will be obedient, radically obedient to God. Whether that's accepting the grace of God coming into his kingdom, whether that's deciding I've got to grow spiritually, whether that's deciding I need to get into a group of some kind, whether it's I need to discover my spiritual gift or whether it's I need to be a manager so that I can be a blessing to others. I, I cannot wait and, and I'm going to try to do this in the years ahead. I'm going to try to go to Ghana because I would like to meet Gilbert before he turns 18. And whoever we get, my girls are gonna help me choose one today. Whoever we get there, I'm gonna to try to visit them. And there's some from, from like Honduras, and you know, that's a little closer than Ghana, and maybe I'll get to go there. But but the point is, when I stand before God, I want him to say, That was good. Your effort was good. Your heart was kind, and you were a blessing to others. That's what I'm going for. So if you get mad at me for telling you about God's standards. For finances, that's between you and God. My goal is for God to say, Doug, you did a good job. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I want you to think about where you are on this journey, on this road. We're actually going to finish up next week with this whole um, fully devoted thing. But there's five things. Grace of Christ, have you accepted it? That's a yes or no question. You're not kind of married. You're either married or not. You're not kind of a Christian. You're either a Christian or you're not. You have to step across the line of faith and become a Christian. So have you accepted the grace of God? Yes or no? And you can write this on your card in just a minute. Second thing is, are you committed? Do you have anything that's going on in your life that helps you grow spiritually besides attending church once every six weeks or even once a week? Is there any plan that you have that's going to help you grow spiritually? Third, are you connected to a group, not just a group of people who get together to watch a fight, a group of people who open up the Word of God, study God's Word, and then you pray together? That's where growth is going to happen the most. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? And I I have a feeling in this group, 90% of you don't even know what spiritual gifts are, and if you do, you have no clue what yours is. That's on you. And then, have you ever ever been consistent in bringing the tithe to the church and you say I'm crazy I'm crazy if God's not real I'm crazy if Jesus Christ is still in the tomb I'm crazy if the word of God is not accurate if it is I'm not crazy Father I pray that you move in the hearts of your people and that you change us and, and as we prayed in band this morning, I pray that, that New Life would become the most loving church it can possibly be, that we'll become the most serving church that we can be, and that we'll, um, we'll become the warmest place for people who are far from God to come and hear about the grace of God so that you can birth a whole bunch of new Christians in the weeks and months ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.